Hey, I'm Trevor, and on behalf of myself, Lauren, and Leo, welcome to the Boo Crew Podcast, episode 270. You are joined by multi-award-winning filmmaker, actor, and songwriter-composer Chrissy Fox, whose debut feature, Frank, lands on VOD October 25th at time of release. You can pre-order it now on Apple. It's an incredibly unique creature feature. She's brought along some of the amazing cast, including The Nun and Jacob's Wife's Bonnie Aarons, Buffy the Vampire Slayer's Adam Bush, and Ant-Man and Divergence Lindsay LaRose. Hear all about the film, the power in following your dreams and turning them into a reality on your own terms. Circumventing the challenges of a self-funded indie feature, bringing a monster to life, and so much more. It's a wonderfully inspiring conversation with an amazing group of horror fans and exceptional talent who didn't let anything come in their way. Episode 270 starts now. Sometimes decisions are made out of desperation. Sometimes those decisions can destroy your life. And sometimes they can unleash something so dark and so evil that everyone you know and love becomes a target. I see. Go ahead, scream. That's all we need. Another victim crawls onto the gurney for a Boo Crew autopsy. Joining the Boo Crew via the Speakeasy Studio are a group of phenomenal storytellers, each a part of pop culture history through their incredible work in genre. First, she's not only a gifted singer-songwriter as a part of her band Knee High Fox, but in crafting several top ten singles for acts like Theory of a Dead Man, Hailstorm, and New Year's Day. As an actress, she's appeared in Jonathan Kasdan's Land of Women alongside Adam Brody, Kristen Stewart, and Meg Ryan, Underworld Evolution, and many more, including the upcoming feature Allegoria and her very own shorts and features that she herself has also written and directed. The nine-time award-winning What the Spell with close to 50 festival nods being her debut only this past year. She's also an instrumental part of the Bleeders Digest original narrative horror podcast for Bloody Disgusting. She is Chrissy Fox. Wow, thank you. No one's ever quite uh, given to me like that. (laughs) Next up, a multi-award winning actress who brought to life one of the world's most cherished horror icons with The Nun. Her performance was so compelling throughout James Wan's masterful Conjuring 2 that it spun off into her very own film and put Valak alongside the greatest characters in genre history. She's been such an important part of projects from the world's most renowned and influential creators, Sam Raimi, David Lynch, Gary Marshall, just to name a few, and starred in one of the most talked about films in decades, Travis Stevens, Jacob's Wife. She has an inescapable elegance, whether in comedies, drama, or the stunning beauty of gothic horror. She is the award-winning Bonnie Ahrens. Wow, what an introduction. Legend. (laughs) Also here with us, he started his career appearing in one of the greatest films of all time, Luke Besson's The Professional, and starred as Warren Mears on the multi-Emmy winning greatest TV show of all time, Buffy the Vampire Slayer, roles in Grey's Anatomy, CSI, the Emmy-nominated Altered Carbon, and so much more. Welcome multi-award winning pop culture icon, 
Adam Bush. Yeah. 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 Finally, <laughs> a three-time award-winning actress, writer-director who's appeared in massive blockbuster films like the Divergent franchise, the Marvel Universe with Edgar Wright's Ant-Man, 2016 Sundance nominee Slight, Netflix's acclaimed AJ and the Queen, over two dozen TV and film projects, including producing for Jimmy Kimmel and writing, directing her own show, Therapy with Pammy. She is Lindsay LaRose. So Chrissy Fox has brought this exceptional group of people along with her on the journey of her debut feature film, Frank. It's available on VOD October 25th. Once again, Chrissy, Bonnie Aarons, Adam Bush, and Lindsay LaRose. Welcome, everybody, and thank you so much for being here. Thanks for having us, guys. (laughs) So congrats on this incredible film, everybody here, and thanks for spending some time with us. So we're going to go around the virtual conference room and get acquainted with everyone's voice since there's so many people we'll do that and we're going to do it by hearing about a horror film you saw that impacted you the most and why we'll start with you Chrissy since you made this thing and we'll uh, go on from there well okay so there's two for different reasons the the one that impacted me probably the most that made me become obsessed with horror was the original Texas Chainsaw Massacre Mm -hmm. it absolutely destroyed me and also made me just want to have that feeling all the time, which is really screwed up. And then the other film, I don't, I guess it's horror, maybe more sci-fi. It was the fly. And (laughs) I saw it when I was three years old in a hotel room and I cried all night. It, I was the most terrified I've ever been in my entire life. So I don't know. I don't think now it would be scary at all, but that was, it would seriously like fucked me up for years. So. What was it about the fly? Was it? Uh, Cause I remember seeing that super young too. It just grossed me out and his transformation was, and everything. That was a scary thing for me. Yeah. I mean, I guess that, but like, I guess cause I was so little, it just was so weird. Mm. Like when he changed and it was, and I remember specifically we're in a hotel room and I was little and they had made me a little bed on the floor between the beds. So I was sleeping by myself and there's like under the bed and I, and it's like one of my first memories, which is super sad, but it's like, thanks mom. But uh, yeah, I was destroyed. And I, I think, yeah, it was just the weirdness of it. When you're that little weird stuff is almost scarier than brutality. Did yeah. you think you were going to turn into a fly? I thought he was under the bed, I think. But, you know, I thought maybe if he came, I I don't know. I don't know what I was thinking. It's just awful. (laughs) What about Texas Chainsaw? I'm curious about that because that's like one of my favorite movies of all time as well. Well, that one, I am always way more afraid of people, like real people, the paranormal. And I love all that shit. It's really cool. But when I watch films where there's real people killing other people, it, it feels so like it could really happen. And I feel like something like the Texas Chainsaw Massacre could truly happen. And well, it kind of did. And uh, being on tour with a band. And as I've gotten older, I, I can, I completely see how realistic that film is. <laughs> and so I think that the idea of that, and also specifically like when grandpa was sucking on her finger, I don't know what it is. Like I, I still like get messed up from that. Like I have nightmares and, um, yeah, that and I have to one other funny thing is obviously I'm close with Bonnie and Bonnie like had sent me pictures of her as the nun, like getting her makeup done one day. And I just had got like a bunch of pictures to my phone. And that night I told her this, I went to bed and I had the most fucked up nightmares about Bonnie, like to the point where it like changed the way I looked at her for like a whole week. So so the nun is very scary to me, too. Not Bonnie, but the nun. <laughs> 
<laughs> well, on that note, we'll go to Bonnie. How about you, Bonnie? Yes, you wait. <laughs> <laughs> what was in the pictures that you sent her? Was it like makeup test things that you, do you remember? I got some pictures. I sent her some pictures. Oh my gosh, like, I want to see them. Send them. It was to like us. you and James Wan, right? And then it was like, yeah, makeup test. Even like some of them, she didn't even have the hat on. It was like the braid and everything. It was like all like. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> James Wan and I is beautiful. Yeah, it is. <laughs> in an action. <laughs> I think, um, you know, it changes for me, which one's most impacting. Now, recently I saw this movie censor. If you haven't seen it, oh, yeah. you have to see this movie. Oh my God. It is incredible. That is, you know, ever since I saw it, it's very, it's really impacted me because this, you know, shit really does happen. Yeah, Prano Bailey Bond did, did that one, right? Yeah. Yeah, about the video yeah, nasty ban and ran everything. God, is she bad. Yeah. Did you see this, you guys? Yeah, yeah, yeah it's incredible. That. It's on my high my list. Oh, you better watch it next. I will. I will. It is phenomenal. It is. What do you think it is about that movie or movies of that nature that, that stay with you? What, what about it tweaks your brain and, and, and crawls inside? Well, I think that she, well, the, the atmosphere that she made during that movie was so phenomenal. The whole atmosphere. And then she, the innocence of the people of not knowing it, of what they're, they're going into. You know, I don't want to blow it. Well, it's like, you know, they're showing snuff films. Yeah. And then the whole twisted mind of this, the, the, this struggling woman, just, you know, what she's trying to find and then she becomes part of it. It's, it was heart wrenching as well because she saw she actually showed the pain in everybody's struggle. Adam, yes. go to you, man. How about you? You know, I've always been a big fan of The Shining. Yeah. More frightening than The Shining is the making of The Shining. If you've ever seen that, it's on YouTube and it's free and you can all catch it. And it is horrific, especially as an actor. It will keep you up at night if you can see this thing. It is um, just Kubrick breaking down every single cast member and like finding their flaw and needling at it. And you can see all of them just greatly suffering and him kind of maneuvering around this and, and using what he can to get the best performances from people. And it's, it's really frightening to watch. There's a moment when um, Shelley Duvall is sitting by uh, video village and she's very clearly kind of doing a line and uh, Kubrick's <laughs> daughter who's filming is following Kubrick who behind him and walks by Shelly and without stopping, he just points to her and says, that's not helping and keeps walking. Oh my God. Wow. Those kind of (laughs) moments keep me up at night. Oh yeah. my God. So that was the kind of thing that Chrissy was obviously doing to everybody on Frank, right. the, uh, the abuse. Thing. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> she I breaks you that. down physically yeah. and then mentally and then rebuilds you from the start. Yeah. <laughs> and you leave Jeez. better than you started. <laughs> oh my gosh. Hopefully. And we'll go to you, Lindsay. I was going to say, is that not how every director directs a film? <laughs> I, I've always been broken down on a set, <laughs> uh, especially by Chrissy, of course. Yeah. Um, I was going to say The Shining 2, Adam, good call. It's just it's the psychological thriller is my jam. I love misery. I love. Um, and then if I want to switch to like gore, I went through a phase in middle school where I loved watching disgusting movies like House of Thousand Corpses. And I was so fascinated by the, the truth of it, of like Ed Gein, I think was his name, right? That that was a serial killer that would slice everyone and wear their skin. Mm-hmm, and, yeah. you know, that was like normal. I feel like, you know, as a 
13 year old girl growing up in the suburbs to be obsessed with men who were skin. Um, so I, I loved like um, Saw and the Saw movies when they came out and they were just, I always was so fascinated by the writing, like who comes up with this and the imagination of like the power of the imagination of how you can just spiral into this demonic, dark side of things. And I was always like, whose brain is thinking this at night or in the daytime even? <laughs> So terrifying. Um, I also love um, recent ones. I love Don't Breathe. Yeah, which oh, is that was a such a yeah. Both those movies, so Don't Breathe good. one and two, are so good. Gosh, and my heart was racing, and just like I love movies that um, that put you in the situation of like, what would I do if I was trapped in this house, or like, how do I get out, or you know that kind of thing. Chrissy, you've been a blizzard of creative energy throughout your career in absolutely everything you do, and as far as filmmaking goes. You've created a ton of very story-driven cinematic music videos for Knee-High Fox. Anyone listening, check out Light as a Feather, Stiff as a Board, kind of like a mini film of a few videos in one, which is awesome for starters. And you can fall down a very insane rabbit hole of of the videos that she's created with Knee-High Fox. But over the course of the pandemic, you really dove headfirst into filmmaking. Yeah. What ways did the past year or so ignite like a full on attack into what would become your first feature film? You know, it's something I've been writing forever and obviously doing the music videos and stuff. And I've had scripts and things I've wanted. And, you know, there's always a reason you're always busy there. And for some reason, early 2020, I just got this urge to just, you know, I'm just going to make this short. So I, I uh, actually contacted Azure Parsons, who's in Frank as well, but she was in my um, first short along with Adam called What the Spell. And I told her the idea and she was really into it. So I wrote it super fast and I think we were filming it in two weeks. And I was just like, if I don't just do this and bite the bullet, I'm not going to do it. So we made this film in two days that we're super proud of. And, uh, you know, we put it into festivals having no expectations. I'm like, people might hate this. I, I had never done the film festival thing. So I, I didn't really know what was going to happen, but we got into so many and we won a bunch of awards and were nominated for a bunch of awards. And I, and it kind of like blew my mind. I'm like, okay, well, there's something here. Um, so I had this idea for the Frank feature and I loved the process of making these short films because I think that they're more challenging and they're, you have to really get to a point and have a twist and a punchline really fast. And it's actually harder than sometimes having a slow burn film that you can build into build up to something. So I was like, what if I wrote a film that was like that five stories, but not necessarily an anthology because it's all connected and it's all around the same story and the same monster and everything ties together. And so I wrote Frank. And when I realized that COVID wasn't really going away, as we all did, I was like, well, you know what, maybe we can do this. Maybe we can do this safely with a skeleton crew of great people. And we can film this in sections because so that no, there doesn't have to be a ton of actors on set. There doesn't have to be anyone. No one needs to be there. You know, we don't need to have a bunch of people there. So we ended up doing it in order. And we super tested everybody, was super careful. And we ended up getting through and finishing this entire film. We started in August and finished in October. And, um, and it was incredible because I had all of these amazing actors who were at home, not working because of COVID, 
So we all just were like, let's make something really great that we're all proud of. And I, I can at least speak for myself that it really kept me going and kept me positive and made me really, really happy through one of the darkest, most difficult times I think a lot of us have gone through. So, so yeah, we made this crazy monster film and uh, yeah, it, it, it just spiraled from there. I've already made my second feature uh, that's coming out in December and I don't now think I'm going to stop. <laughs> <laughs> that's amazing. <laughs> There's kind of a lesson in this. It's very inspirational. You know, to make a movie is a fucking miracle on its own. Uh, make any movie. And one of the biggest hurdles of a filmmaker or anyone with a dream or an idea is I have this idea. I have this dream. But... <laughs> I don't have the money to pursue it. I don't have any connections. Is anyone is anyone going to like my idea? Will I fail? Is anyone going to help me? Where do I start? How do you circumvent those challenges just as a person? I think ultimately, when it comes to what people think, I think art is super subjective. Film is super subjective. So I think that you can only make something that you really love and you're really proud right. of and that the people who are working on it love. Because you're never going to please everybody. I'm sure a lot of people are going to love Frank and then a lot of people aren't. And that is, it is what it is. But for me, I guess, you know, I, I just really, I like, I need to keep moving. I need to keep creating things. I need to keep growing as a person and learning. So I just, you know, this was my next obvious step and I just went for it. And you know what? I could have very easily fallen flat on my face and I've done it many times before, but I'm very proud of the film we made. Ultimately, I didn't I didn't know if we would get through it, given such weird times. And I uh, I actually self-funded this film, which was crazy. And it was a huge, huge risk. But I was, you know, I just had my daughter and I was like, you know what, if I'm ever going to take the next step, I need to just go for it. I need to just make this film. And right away a lot of distributors step forward and we're really interested in it. And, you know, like I said, like, look at my cast, it's ridiculous. So I, I'm just like, I, I just made this film full of incredible actors that would have been a nightmare probably to have to juggle everyone's schedule and under normal um, sure. circumstances. So it was like an opportunity in there. Yeah. And, you know, I think everybody kind of needed it. Everybody was just super happy to be there and it was super fun and positive and, the craziest part about Frank is a lot of these actors haven't like Lindsay has never met Adam or Bonnie um, because she's in Hawaii and they never shot together. And so there, it's just like this weird thing because some of the stories don't overlap with all the actors. So, um, you know, I don't know when Adam and Bonnie met, but I, it might've been more recently. Um, so it's just kind of crazy. Like when we did the cast and crew screening, like almost a year later, Everybody was like, oh, nice to meet you. We're all in the same movie together. Right. <laughs> it's know? like a Pulp Fiction creature feature. <laughs> so, Bonnie, I mean, you've worked on massive studio films and you've worked on genre defining indie films. What are the qualities, would you say, that are unique to smaller budget indie projects that you really love? I love that it's that small and it's very hands on and it's more it's actually more intimate. Everybody has to work together. It's not like, okay, this is where you're delegated. You know, every department has to help every other department. And they do. Because you get a people that, you know, that you really care about the film. You really care about what you're doing. Otherwise, you wouldn't be there doing it. The script was so impressive. And it flowed so beautifully. And I was so impressed by her writing and what she was doing. And she's, you know, she, she doesn't 
sit around talking about it. She gets up, picks up her ass and she does it <laughs> instead of talking about it. So it was so impressive. And then, you know, just the, the quality of the people, like, you know, look at the, the Frank behind her. I mean, is it that people? No, it's unbelievable. She, I mean, yeah, she had people making that and it was a really, it's a phenomenal experience. What did you love the most about Chrissy's directing style? Very, very personal, <laughs> very, very personal, very, very clear. What's interesting to me, though, is also like, Chrissy, you, you have no like schooled background in film school or anything like that. You're just entirely self-taught for the most part. Yeah, no, I, I've been kind of that way with everything I've done in my life. Um, for acting, I did take acting classes and I have done personal like private coaching and stuff, too. Um, but when it came to actual filmmaking and I, I do all the post and stuff for the film myself as well. So it was kind of I spent a lot of years just learning how to do all that. And, you know, it helps that I'm a musician because I'm able to do all the score and I had to learn how to mix dialogue and it, it's a lot of, you know, trial and error, but over, over time, the more you do it, you know, you get better at it. And I, I truly believe that you can forever for your entire life, continue to learn and get better if you're open to it. So I think every, every circumstance, every project I work on, I learn from everybody. So I just try to like absorb everything I can. And, and yeah, I'm, yeah, totally self-taught. Uh, it's fun directing because Obviously, I've written all my stuff, too, so I'm really close to it. But I love actors because I am one. So I, my favorite thing is working with actors. And I really like keeping a very like calm and positive set as much as possible because it doesn't help when, you know, some people are a little more frantic on set and yell. And I, I, I don't really respond to that and, as an actor. So I, I try not to do that. But I, clearly some people do and it works as well. So maybe I'll try that next time. Um, <laughs> yeah, this is for Adam, uh, Lindsay and Bonnie working with Chrissy on the small budget production. What did you guys learn from working with her and, and her direction style? Let's start with uh, Adam. Well, I know Trevor is famous for his um, introductions. So I had written uh, an outro. <laughs> <laughs> that I'll just recite right now because it'll answer your question. And I call it um, last thoughts on Chrissy Fox. <laughs> Chrissy Fox is everything and it's opposite. She is dark and twisted and makes movies about suicide. But if you meet her, she's almost always smiling. And it's a, it's a very big smile. It takes up most of her face. You should see it on the big screen. <laughs> she's fiercely independent, but incredibly loyal when it comes to actors, crew and family. She's an aggressive anarchist who also obeys the strictest of COVID protocols. She sees a legendary actress like Bonnie known for her prosthetics and elaborate costumes. And she says, you should wear no makeup and be in your PJs. And she's right. She does whatever she wants, whenever she wants to. And she wears that freedom like a corset. But there is also a master plan. She knows exactly what she's doing. And if you're lucky, you'll be able to witness it firsthand for the price of a ticket. She is elegant and brutal. She is everything and it's opposite. And I hope you all go see Frank. Wow. Oh, that was stunning. Holy shit. <laughs> Lindsay, how about you, Lindsay? Yo, God, you gotta follow that up, oh Lindsay. Say <laughs> <laughs> ditto. Love you, Adam. You're the best. <laughs> oh my goodness. I mean, what I loved about working with Chrissy and, and what I 
currently love because we're still creating things together. And I'm so thankful that I keep getting called back to work on projects with her. Um, she really pulls out the best in each actor as well. So like my strength is comedy. I'm trained at Groundlings and UCB and I perform improv around Los Angeles. And she tapped into that and kind of offered me this character that was, that was funny. And, and, and I got to really like show off, that side, but also that I can cry and that I can scream and be terrified of this monster and, and this, you know, this dark, creepy house and this cat that just won't come inside. So um, I just, I feel like she really uh, highlights each performer and, and I, that just feels good as an actor to feel taken care of and thought of by your director, you know, that they're trying to, they really are making you look good. And, um, and she was, and she's so prepared and it's just like she was saying and Bonnie was saying, Adam was saying, it's like the the ease on set. It's just a good vibe. Like, it's like, I just, I wanted to go every day and be there all day. Like, it's not like the kind of thing of like, oh God, like, when is this? When's rap? You know, it's like, let's keep going. It's three in the morning. Let's go. Let's keep going. Um, Cause it's just, she just makes everyone and she's having fun. So if she's having fun. Everybody's having fun. And it's kind of like thinking of like the Stanley Kubrick of like, how did that, I guess that must have just been a miserable set then if everyone is feeling like shit about themselves the whole time and questioning their talent and everything. Whereas on Chrissy's set, I'm like, I could win an Academy Award someday. <laughs> you know, it's just like she just really uplifts everybody. And that just feels so good, you know, as 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 part of the team and everything. Oh, it's very collaborative. So and her team is incredible. Everybody was so kind and on it and good at their job. Like people can be nice and then suck or they can be mean and suck, <laughs> but they were all so cool and really, really talented. So it was really cool to, I've met some really cool people through her as well. Where was the house that you guys filmed at for your segment? It was so pretty. Ooh, it was so pretty. Where was, that was in the Valley. It was in Sherman Oaks. Yeah. yeah. We had that house for only, we only shot two days. We shot, um, it's, it, we kind of did a tricky thing because we also the Frank makeup was so complicated. It's not a suit. It was made on the actor. So it took like five hours to make. Uh, so we I used this house, um, which was Lindsay's house. But it was also in the story before we shot that the first day, which was all takes place in, a be- in the bedroom. So we just dressed the bedroom um for that story. <laughs> and we did all the Frank stuff at the end. And then I had Lindsay come that night. And we shot all the stuff with the monster with her. So then the next day when we did everything else, we just did everything without Frank, which made it very efficient. But also we were able to stay in one location for two days, which goes a long way when you're doing an independent film and you're not having to move constantly. It just takes a lot of time and we were able to stay pretty set up. So, so yeah, it was, that was a great scenario. And uh, her friend Rachel was in the second story. Who's amazing. And uh, she was actually brought in from Lindsay. So it was cool that they got to overlap a little bit because they were close friends. So I want to get into the design of Frank and everything in a bit, but I wanted to <clears throat> jump back to Leo's original question and pose it to Bonnie about what did you learn about yourself through the opportunities Chrissy gave you that were a little different than anything else you've worked on through doing Frank? She had me playing a very different character. Right. Very different. She created this Mistress Eden in Frank is some weirdo. Yeah, and then she she brings you and then the next film I do with her I live alone she brings out even a more bizarre thing you've ever seen and have me doing very bizarre things but in Mistress Eaton who I play in Frank is something that I've never I mean, this woman is 
out there, like on another level, like not even floating on the ground. <laughs> I mean, she is like, woohoo. <laughs> you know, you're like, what did she, you know, drop too much, you know, goodies or you know, smoke? <laughs> she's like, you know, a, a hippie that went, that's from a hippie from space or something, you know? <laughs> so, I mean, I, you just trust her. You just trust Christy. When you're pushing yourself to those levels and those really terrifying moments as Mistress Eden, as uh, the events of the end of the film uh, go on, are you thinking in terms of things that you're doing performance wise to make something scary, whether it be the way you're moving or anything like that, or does it become instinctual to you and you just go with how you're feeling? Yeah, well, I listen to the direction and I follow the direction very clearly and very literally and then i you know incorporate that into what i'm doing and then you should adjust it with that and you know with all that put together and weaved into a performance and you go from there you yeah. just gotta let it happen let me tell you if you tell bonnie to be intense bonnie does not need any more direction than that bonnie is a very intense actor if you want her to go there and she she okay. does 100 so every time i've told her i'm like hey bonnie gotta scare the shit out of people here you got it you gotta like and she does and i'm like yeah that's exactly what i meant i'm Thank not you. scary in, yeah. as mr seeden i mean i'm like out there <laughs> well i think you're scary not necessarily for the viewer but you're definitely scary for the kids that you played opposite because yeah. you seem so intimidating across from them true, because yeah. your presence is intimidating so it's it's very it's an exciting character to watch you in oh thank you yeah you create you you create incredible characters Oh, thank you, Bonnie. Yeah, it's great to see Mistress Eden. You know, the polarity between her and those kids. It's also very fun, too. <laughs> what about the voiceover, Bonnie? Did you have much experience doing a lot of voiceover before the way you narrate this piece? Because you really are the glue. You're not only Mistress Eden at the end. You're the glue that holds the whole thing together. What was that experience like? Well, I have a lot of experience auditioning for voiceovers. I do it constantly. <laughs> But this was the first one. Have I done? Oh, wait a minute. Yes, in Princess Diaries, you hear me singing in several of the other the Gary Marshall things. It's me talking in um, The Other Sister. Yeah. I'm the one screaming, get off my lawn, and other things throughout the movie. So, wait a minute. I do have some experience in, in, uh, in voiceovers, but most of my experience is doing auditions for them. Yeah, that was fun. It was crazy the way you had to do it, too, because the original voiceover was only in the last story. We added it, added it, added it, it later. Oh, <laughs> oh my God. got it. Okay. Yeah. So that end story after Bonnie finished shooting at the end of the day, she was like, okay, just sit down with me. And we just sat in a chair in the middle of the, in the set. And I just had her do it a bunch of times, but then I had her come back into the studio because I ended up writing little connectors for all the stories and i was like well it makes sense that mistress eden being that she's a medium and she can see all of this she's the one telling the story so we we kept you know involving bonnie throughout which was which was cool she starts the movie that's the first voice you hear i know we had a conversation after we first saw frank and i remember we were talking about the location of where bonnie's segment and wasn't there some like story because the place is creepy (laughs) And like something crazy happened, right? Or maybe it was like with your part of your segment, like someone got hurt or am I making this? I don't remember that. 
Well, no, it is a creepy place. Well, the kind of cool thing about Bonnie's segment. So the opening segment, which is Ruby's being in the woods and um, dying. It was shot actually on the same property. So I've shot multiple things on this property. There's like, I think there's 50 acres on this property. Wow. Yeah. So we shot all of that. And then at the end story, I was like, huh, where should I shoot Mistress Eden's thing? And I thought about this weird little cottage on that property because I also thought, even though people probably would never know this, I thought it was a cool way to tie it together that she's actually on the property where Ruby died. And it was more just for me to know that, but it was cool. And this cottage, I wanted it to be very um, small and like kind of not really have too much characteristics so we could do a lot to it. And the craziest thing is we get there on the day and it was a lot like that, that we all shot all of Bonnie stuff in one day and it should have been several days. Um, but we just were very prepared, but they told us like, Oh yeah, the air conditioning broke like today. And so it was like the hottest shoot ever. Um, so yeah, it, it was pretty crazy. There's kind of, yeah, weird stuff with every, every segment that we had to, you know, always have to face film. It's like spinal tap for movies. Sure. Of course. All the time. All the time. But I do know one of the, after the first night of shooting Frank, it was creepy because we shot it in the woods in the dark. And that night we went to bed and at like 4 a.m. the piano in my living room started playing by itself some weird song. And, you know, yeah. And I'm not even making this shit up. So, and you, there's like a couple like weird demo settings you can push, but it wasn't that it was like this weird, scary three notes. And and we, I woke up and then my fiance spider woke up and we're just like, the fuck is, I'm like the fucking piano. Split. So I made him go and he, and we should have filmed it, but he just ran and turned it off. We we're so scared. Now I unplug it. I don't like leave it plugged in ever, but I swear like Frank was like trying to. Scare oh my me. God. <laughs> Are those three notes, his signature warble Frank's signature. <laughs> no, I wish I'd, it was like, I, I, I kind of tried to recreate it after, but I was yeah. so scared. I, I couldn't remember what exactly what they were. And it was, it was just really weird. It was the creepiest part of, the Frank thing. Oh my God, that's amazing. Adam, I wanted to hit you up and, and just kind of hear about the way you came into Chrissy's world, even through What the Spell. What was your connection there? It was through Azure Parsons. Okay. They were friends, Chrissy and Azure, and Azure reached out to me and asked me if I would meet with Chrissy and talk about What the Spell. And I had met Spider years ago promoting a film called drones and we had connected and I had been a fan of his and then met Chrissy and became a fan of hers. And that's how I was brought in. I also want to um, just tie in that in ghostbusters when Bill Murray comes to look at Sigourney Weaver's house, because she says there's, there's ghosts and she's haunted. He plays three notes on the piano. That's right. And he plays three notes and Sigourney Weaver looks at him like, I thought you were a scientist. Why are you playing three notes on the piano? And he looks at her and he says, they hate that. <laughs> yes. right. Maybe that's what your piano was playing. That's right. I, I love it. Yeah. That's the ghost of Now Man. I'm like, I'm so mad. I never filmed that. That would have been the coolest shit. Yeah, it would have like been that. awesome. Why can you come over to your house and plug it back in? <laughs> no, instruments <laughs> shouldn't play themselves. It's a musician's that. nightmare. <laughs> 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 and Adam, so you entered the story in kind of the fourth storyline as this love guru. How did you build that character? Chrissy just gave me our bit 
which is great because it makes you feel like you're the star of the movie and you can just look <laughs> yeah. at it from your perspective. And um, it was a very human story. I feel like she really goes out of her way to humanize horror and bring it into things that we all personally experience. And it wasn't hard for me to tap into uh, what was happening in Azure's story and what my role was in that. And what's so great about Chrissy is that she'll look at you and be like, what would you like to play? Okay, let me give you the opposite of that because that's yeah. where you'll shine. And she's right. She's right. <laughs> he was so good in that though. Like I knew he would bring like this weirdness to the guy. And I just was like, cause I was really struggling because that character is such a weird character. And I was like, Adam can totally do this character. It's Adam. And, and he was like, yeah, sure. I'm down. Let's go. <laughs> like he understood. I feel like we have an understanding when we talk about stuff and, you know, Adam and I are both obsessed with serial killers. So I already know he's creepy as fuck. And so it's, it's, it's- <laughs> <laughs> the boo crew will be right back. I was a teenage werewolf. The most terrifying picture of our time. I was a teenage werewolf. Fantastic. Bewildering. A motion picture to stand beside the greatest horror stories of all time. I was a teenage werewolf. subtleties of performance and Lindsay is a genius at this too and I want to get to that and it's those little moments in between the lines that he'll throw in and we'll go to like a my sick little friend that he did for bleeders you know those little things that sound off the cuff that make the moments really real what is it like for you Chrissy to have these characters that you created reflected back to you through that acting and maybe doing things you didn't put in there or displaying traits you might not have even considered. What are some of the surprises along the way that kind of gave you that thrill of discovery as you were making this and made you go, fuck, I can't wait to get back in there tomorrow. Or I can't wait to finish this scene or see what it comes together as. All the actors surprise me all the time. It, it is really weird because when you write something, you have exactly what it's supposed to be like in your head. But if you hire really great actors that you trust, I usually tend to let them we do read throughs before go with their instincts first, because I like to see if there's something that they do that I wouldn't have thought to do Yeah, that I, I like that better. So that's kind of what we did. And there was a lot, you know, originally I expected the Teru character to be a little louder and more like, Ugh, but that's not, that's not Adam's style anyway. Like Adam can play a lot of different things, but I knew Adam would bring, he's very intense and like soft, but, yeah. but, but it, is a different take. And as soon as I thought of Adam for the role, I, I knew kind of what he would do, but he still surprised me a lot. He always does. And, uh, and it's funny because my daughter who's two, she, this is like her favorite movie. She loves this movie. She watches it all the time. And the thing that makes her, her jump scare every time is when Adam grabs Azure shoulders and goes perfect. Yeah. He never doesn't jump because he's so like, 
sucks you in and intense and then yeah he'll like throw something like that and you're like whoa that was weird that was awesome so yeah it's cool to watch her react to it because she's so like pure well that there is there is a real music to this movie that like it's got like an uh you know almost two hour runtime really and Mm -hmm. it goes by like I've, i've seen it twice so far about to see it for a third time it goes by so quick and i think the reason that it does that is the strength of these performances and you have this, the, the, the melodic nature of, of Bonnie bringing you in with this poetry, weaving the whole story together. And then you have the, the different stories with these very dialogue driven segments and Frank almost is like uh, an additive, you know what I mean? Like you get lost in the, in just the, the dialogue alone. And we'll go to Lindsay for this one. Bringing Charlotte to life is so fun to watch the physical performance of charlotte right like the little things you're doing with the wine bottle in between and everything like that was any of that scripted or was that just stuff that you were bringing to the table and what made you decide to go there with her i think it it was scripted right i mean it was but there were things that we just were that christy would be like okay lean into that so then we would just make her real crazy yeah and so then it was just splashing ever because she doesn't give a shit she has made so why not trash the place Um, And so it was more of like, it was fun to kind of delve into like, what is this? Who is this woman? And I think I've worked for women like this when I was a babysitter. (laughs) Come home like an event and they just sit there and talk to me all night. And I'm like, am I getting paid for this? Um, And they would just be trashed. And, um, you know, this, this, it's like a housewife. It's more than a housewife though. She's, she has some real issues going on and insecurities of her own that she puts this smile over and, 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 um, and I, I just, I loved, I loved playing her and I found it really in like my, this register of like the voice was like really helpful. And yeah, it was just, it was, it was so much fun. And the costume was so silly and like pink and fluffy and it's your lingerie in bed alone. Yeah. yeah. It's funny, like Lindsay's character, Charlotte, to me, when I wrote her, because I truly based her on like probably 15 people I actually know. When I wrote the Charlotte character, which I really wanted someone like that in the film, because I thought it was hilarious. I had so much, felt so much pressure out of all the rules of who's going to play this because all the jokes wouldn't work if it wasn't the right person at all. And, uh, and when Lindsay, when Lindsay got brought up to me, I started like watching a bunch of her Instagrams, which you guys all should. She always has skits and crazy shit. She does. She travels with wigs, which is so fucking weird, but awesome. So, so when I saw some of this, I was like, you know, I really want to read with this girl. And as soon as she did it and she didn't even hadn't really had a chance to like work on the script or anything. I was like, she gets it. I knew right away. So when we got on set, her and Cole, who, who plays Lacey, like, I was like, look guys, I like to shoot like full sections of the scene all at once. Cause it feels more cohesive as you edit. So it was a lot, a lot of dialogue. And uh, at the end, we'd usually like let Lindsay go. Cause sometimes she just throw out weird shit at the end. and it would just make us all laugh. And I have to like make an entire little video montage of Lindsay outtakes at the end, end of the scene each time. Cause it was just like talking about like getting tacos and I don't know what the hell you were talking about. <laughs> the whole crew was trying to be quiet and everyone was like shaking and Andy, our DP, who's like the most serious, sweet guy, but he's like, he's not like, you know, the only other time I've really seen him laugh like that was like one line that Azure had about only being able to cook hot dogs. Like he never thinks things are funny and he was like dying. So I was like, this is really working. And it was so exciting 
because yeah, she just nailed it. And she's very good at being a rich drunk woman. (laughs) (laughs) Well, what about the wardrobe? Did you pick the dress out or did she pick it out? How did that work? Yeah, we, uh, she came over and I had a couple choices and she tried them on and, uh, and the pink ridiculous thing was the obvious choice. Just like Adam's wardrobe was completely ridiculous. He had like one shirt that was like lace and yeah, it was like a doily or whatever. Yeah, yeah. And I, I just thought it was funny that Charlotte <laughs> would be like in bed alone and wearing like lingerie and a silk robe, yeah. like <laughs> like that by themselves. <laughs> it's like she does. I just wanted her to be so ridiculous and like that poor like lacy character leaving and just being like Jesus Christ. Like I, I, I would rather die right now than be in this situation any longer. Cause we've all been there with somebody. So I really wanted her to have that feeling, but I also wanted people to like Charlotte and I, Charlotte's one of my favorite characters in the movies. So, so yeah, it was, it was a really fun one. And Bonnie was actually, I think the last person cast for the movie. So when we got to Bonnie, I didn't know who I was going to have as mistress Eden. And it was an important character, obviously. And Azure randomly texted me and was like, Hey, I have this friend, Bonnie. You should check her out if you ever, uh, you know, have a role that would make sense for her. She, she'd be great. And I was literally casting Mr. Seaton. So I got on the phone with Bonnie. And if anyone who knows Bonnie, <laughs> she's just like, oh, fuck that fucking dude. Fuck that. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm sorry, Bonnie, but it's true. What the fuck do you say? <laughs> <laughs> I've never seen another a woman use the C word more than Bonnie does. So, um, so yeah, so she's C-word. amazing. And soon as she, what's, I don't know. I, I know they said we could swear, but that might be a bit much. Oh, yo, you can do whatever. Um, <laughs> so Bonnie like immediately made such a huge impression on me. And so I was like, as soon as I spoke to her, just like Adam and, and uh, Lindsay's character, I was like, you know what? I don't want you to do very much. I want you to be exactly like yourself. If you can, as much as possible, like bring that energy that you have and, and uh, just her vulgarity and her just like intensity. And she did. And it was great. Bonnie and I hit it off and, you know, we've become really good friends. We all have. And so it's been great. And now, you know, Bonnie's in my second film, which, so, you know, it's, it's been a really great working relationship and friendship for with everybody. And, yeah, like I truly, this entire cast, they're just like great friends. And, and it's just like, I cannot possibly be more happy to see any of these people and any time I get to see them. So it's, it's awesome. It's a great way to, you know, have to go to work. Chrissy, you're such a brilliant writer and director with very clear ideas. I'm curious, did you go into this movie with the mindset that you're only going to use practical effects versus visual effects? Or, or were there any big ideas that had to be nixed due to budget limitations? I always opt for practical. I love practical effects on everything. I always think it goes along a long way. And I think that it, it sometimes CGI, if it's not done perfectly, it takes you out of the film. A lot of people can do it great, but I, I just really wanted it to be all practical. Of course, there's things if, if you have a smaller budget that you're like, you know, I can't have someone dive off of a building or something, but um but I didn't have to do much. There's always an issue though with practical effects. Sometimes you only have one shot. Sometimes things don't work perfectly, you know, and that does happen on every set. And sometimes you don't have the time to reset. Sometimes you physically can't. So, yeah, we, we did. There's like a few things like, you know, you'd have to adjust, but it ended up really working out, which thank God. And, you know, once again, you learn every time, every segment I did where I would do any kind of effect, we would learn 
like the first speaking of practical effects frank was you know a real person and it was he was made and he was painted and he's the guy you. yeah look behind you he's there <laughs> well he the first time we did frank the guy who played there's two franks in the film frank gets larger as the film goes on which is you know he's as he's killing people he gets more intimidating but the first guy the first day he showed up he, the night before he drank a bunch and he was like i guess got i don't know it, it as people do. And uh, he didn't know that <laughs> do that. Then the makeup and all the shit doesn't stick to you. So it was a fucking nightmare. It took like three extra hours to get Frank together. And he was like, we had a short period of time to shoot with him because everything was like falling off of him. And after like, it was crazy. So yeah, after that, I learned, I was like, you can't drink. You can't have this. Don't have this because nothing will fucking stick to you. Wait, so you drink, <laughs> nothing sticks to you if you drink alcohol. I guess it was like something to do with the adhesive they were using because they literally would, we were sticking latex to his body, flattening it. And like he, if Frank had to go to the bathroom, we had to cut a hole in his entire outfit and redo the whole thing, which wow. would take. So yeah, it was, it was not an easy thing to take on. It probably would have been simpler to make a suit, but I don't know if it would have looked as cool. So I don't know. We just ended up going that route. And uh, but yeah, I learned a lot on the way, like things like that, like, Oh shit. And I also learned as I've directed, like some people are allergic to latex. Some people have, you know, there's yeah. a lot of shit like that. You you learn as you go. So, yeah. Was the fly I, CGI on the envelope at the beginning? Oh, no. Was <laughs> that I, just a lucky accident? Yes. No, it, it was an ant. <laughs> oh, but was? I, I saw that, a bug. I was like, that looks so cool. Is that real? <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, we were literally in the middle of the woods. But yeah. I was. I love that you picked that up because I was so excited when the ant went on. I was yeah, like, it's like perfect. Yeah. I don't know if anyone but you or I would ever have noticed that term, but thank It's you. probably true. <laughs> no, I think anyone would. It's like That's a big true. shot. I'm curious to hear from you, Bonnie, on this. God, bringing the nun to life and, and becoming a creature and doing kind of a creature performance. What did you like in the way that... Chrissy used Frank in the way that she took advantage of negative space and would put him off to the side and just kind of the mechanics of the way she used the creature to scare. Number one, the creature is incredibly stunning. So that it's the imagery that makes the creature. That's the whole foundation of it. I mean, you know, it's the, it's a powerful image. You know, and you, you all saw, uh, um, malignant. Right? Yes. Yes. Frank. <laughs> Be the perfect uh, date for Gabriel. <laughs> I, mean, I mean, that's a powerful image. And even, like you, you have the wolf man, like, you know, and it's the image that makes the monster, first of all. And then what she, her story and how she's delivering it is what brings in all of the, the fright of it. But if you have a, you know, a so-so monster, but... She created a really magnificent creature. Very unique looking. And I wanted to get the story of how how the look was developed, Christy. Did it come together in the makeup stages and as it was being formed? Or did you have a picture of this thing in your head already? Yeah, no, I I, uh, I designed it. I um I poorly because I'm not an, a great <laughs> artist. Um, I poorly drew what I wanted. And then I had Spider, who is a great artist recreate it better uh so but i knew i wanted it to have one eye i wanted the mouth to almost seem like gaping and then as Lindsay's story went along i wanted the chest and the ribs to be on kind of on the outside so 
it's almost like Frank consumes you through his chest and not even his mouth, which I think is, was an interesting angle. And then I knew because I was shooting a lot in the dark, I wanted him to be tall and white because he would pop. And, um, and we really, once I, I kind of made the design, um, I worked with Gitsy and Tyler O'Hall, which uh, they're, they're really, really talented and they're young um, special effects and uh, makeup artists. So I sent them the, the idea and they, you know, Tyler started 3D printing these fingers and these ribs and all this stuff. And it was a lot of trial and error. We did makeup tests. Um, the original Frank was actually going to be the first Frank was going to be our friend Tyler, who you guys know, but during makeup a few days before he started shooting, when they put the Frank makeup on him, he freaked out. I've heard and about this. Yeah. yeah. He, freaked so, out. he freaked out. He was too claustrophobic. I had to pretty much beg him to just get through the makeup test. And he's like, I can't do it. And I was like, I don't have a monster and we're shooting in two days. Holy shit. So I found, um, I didn't even have time to get an actor actor. So I had to, I found this guy who was a friend of a friend who's in a band that wears masks. So he was super comfortable with, with that. So, um, but he was the one who was having fun the night before. So, <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, it was crazy. The first, the first couple of times with Frank, but then, um, but then it became a little bit more of a well-oiled machine. We're like, okay, we know exactly how long it's going to take. We know exactly what we're doing. Um, I, I knew like, you know, just the, the makeup itself took so long, but we did a lot of testing and a lot of work beforehand. So we all had a really clear idea. Like I wanted his neck to be like thicker. So his head almost comes like straight down mm. and just trying to make him a little away from the human form and a little more demonic looking, you know, a little more like the fuck is that thing? Here's a question <laughs> only I would ask. Oh, um, oh boy. I know. Was Frank always Frank? Was he ever like a Ronald or we always knew Frank was going to be Frank? And why Frank? You know, it's funny when it started, I just was like, I really want to do a monster movie where he just has a ridiculous name and there is actually a reason for it. So my stepson, who is 17, he's always like hated horror movies and he's better now. But I really liked him to watch them with me because I wanted him to like no, like I wanted him to see Halloween. I wanted him to see them all. So he wouldn't like know what was going on. So I told him that he should just name the monster something ridiculous. Well, so then he's not scared. That's alluded to in yeah. the segment there too. Yeah. Exactly. yeah. So I use that. So he would, you know, we'd watch the descent and those like crazy cave. Hmm. I think he called, I, I, I might've even been Jeffrey, which is why I use Jeffrey and Adam's story, the fake name. But yeah. And then I also, the the segments are there's five letters that start each so it's forest which is f real r alone which is Lindsay's um a and uh nobody and then kill so it all spells frank i didn't even put that together nice yeah. see if i didn't ask that, that question yeah, we, we, we wouldn't, wouldn't know the easter egg gem. <laughs> <laughs> yes <laughs> what about the 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 music of frank that signature warble that we talked about earlier was that something that like did you have that in your head did you just play around and find that I knew uh, the be- I wanted there to be something to warn you, but certainly when the, the warble really started becoming prominent was the second story. And uh, I really wanted each segment to, even though it was the same director, same writer, I wanted them to feel a little different so it could keep, you know, like the way an anthology kind of can, you're like, Oh, a fresh take, a fresh take, but also feel cohesive. Mm. So the second story 
I really wanted there to be very little music and it be very quiet. And I, I do like sections where like, I don't cut it's one shot for like three and a half minutes. I think the ending scene is, and I wanted it to feel very fly on the wall. So, so I thought a sound like that would be really impactful. Cause you'd be like, it's something's happening without just doing the stereotypical horror movie music. So yeah, my friend, Michelle and I, who um, helped me compose a lot of the music for the film, she's awesome. And, we sat for hours and hours doing each segment and uh, yeah, we just messed around with a lot of sounds until we found that. And we're, it was kind of almost like an electro shocky kind of sound. And we're like, yeah, that's cool. That's, it doesn't take away from the stillness of the scene, but it it's special. It's weird feeling. So mm-hmm. Lindsay, what do you like about the mechanics of how Frank appears throughout the, the feature? It's not announced all the time when he's standing there. Oh, prepare yourself for her answer. <laughs> well, um, <clears throat> as we mentioned, I live in Hawaii, so I keep missing all the premieres of this film. So I have yet to see the full <laughs> So I will be just like the public where I get to watch it as it's released. So excited. Pre-ordered already. Um, and, but I have seen clips. And of course, I saw the, the the scene where he's, you know, standing on the roof behind me, which is terrifying. And that was terrifying to shoot for a plethora of reasons. Also, because it was just actually scary to turn around and see this. And the actor who played him was very tall. So I, he was I mean, it really took up a lot of space. Anyway, it was it was really. And then he was also on a roof. So that was also scary um, to the, for the actor. Um, but no, I love I mean, in my scene, am I allowed to say like how we. Yeah, sure. Go ahead. He like rips open his ribs and we kind of had really only one take for that. As Christy was kind of saying, like with when it's, you know, not CGI, you really only have a one take to get it right. So it was cool because we like kind of did a few practices and then the and then the actor who played Frank was able to just go for it. And it was nasty. Like it made sound like the real sound of bones cracking. Oh, and wow. stuff. <laughs> I actually wasn't acting at all. I was quite terrified. <laughs> So the scream is pretty real, um, but it was it was very cool to see. And how Chrissy mentioned the 3D printing of his finger. That, I mean, that was just it was just so innovative. Like it was so cool to see all these artistic minds come together to create this this creature that was just that truly was terrifying. Did you? And when I played him, didn't say much either. So it's always like, yeah, it's gotta be weird. Like, <laughs> He was kind of, even like while we're on set, like I'm like sipping, you know, like little diet soda, whatever. And he's like, just kind of standing there, like, you want, would you like a snack? It was just, it was funny. Like he was perfect. It was method acting. Um, but it was, it was amazing. <laughs> Did you get to keep uh, your pink signature dress? <laughs> didn't, but I took a lot of photos. <laughs> so, Chrissy, where is that? What, oh, I have it, it no. still. I mean, and you know what else I have? I I have the photo of of Charlotte that she has, like the three shots of her that she decorated her house with. Oh, that's awesome! It's it's one of my favorite things. I have to say, like when now that I've got to do a screening with a bunch of people, the one of the things that gets the most laughs is because I think it's like nervous and weird laughter is when Lindsay's in the bed and Frank reaches over (laughs) in bed. You know the fingers and oh yeah 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 really uh. That must have been really weird for you to 
film, Lindsay, because you're just like, when is it? And you just met the guy. Like, I think that was the first thing we did. And you're like, in bed. That was the first, was the first thing we shot. And I was like, here, let me get into bed in my lingerie next to you, sir, and have your big, long, creepy 3D printed fingers. <laughs> <laughs> Adam, over to you. you. You've seen, I'm, I'm assuming you've seen the entire film from beginning to end? Have, yes. Nice. Okay. So what, what do you think about this film makes it so unique in the way that it scares? Um, because it's specific about our fears as human beings. It takes the real vulnerable, sensitive fears that we have and it, projects them onto this, you know, fantastical demonic thing. So you have this um, monster you can't control tied into your very, very specific insecurities and, uh, you know, human failings just picking at you. And I think that combination is just monstrous because it's one thing to have a monster that's just evil for the sake of being evil. It's right. another thing to have one that's very in tune to what you're afraid of and what you don't like. And that is making that come alive. You know, I have a dog I rescued and she's a pit bull and she looks like a Marine. She's very scary. When people see her, they back away. So I named her Maud because I wanted to give her just the nicest old white lady name I could think of. Cause how could you be afraid of mom and people see her and they back away. And if they have their own dog, they pick it up and they take it away. And I go, this is Maud. And they go, Oh, well, how could I be afraid of Maud? And they put the dog down and they're right. But the truth is Maud could kill them if she wanted to, if she decided to, she's a machine gun. She could just clamp her jaw and not let go until your dog is dead. I've been with her for 10 years. She won't do that, but she looks like she could. And there's a bit of that in Frank. That's just, we're living our life. We're doing the best thing we can for ourselves, but behind us, our insecurities and our weaknesses and that karma is coming to get us. And to me, that's just more frightening than any just demonic demon that kills for the sake of killing. And talking about that lore, Chrissy, is that the lore that you had in mind for this thing? Is it based on anything that you've seen or read about before? Um, well, the real thing that made me want to make Frank was kind of I the house I lived in before the house I live in now. I used to have these weird sleep paralysis moments, and I used to always think I saw something standing in my room. Like and the I one like, down the street here? Yeah. That one. one wow. That. OK, that yeah, yeah. You. I actually I gave them your address. So. <laughs> uh, yeah. Thanks. Thanks. You're welcome. Because we don't yeah, have enough going on. Yeah. <laughs> 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 but yeah, simply I, all the drawers were opening and closing and stuff mm-hmm. oh yeah that it was so <sighs> just so everyone here and people listening a lot of people have a theory that i am haunted because i've had a lot of ghost shit happen in a lot of places i've lived and it seems to kind of follow me so other than the piano thing my house now that's it so i hope that that continues to be it but yeah, so that was going on and it made me start thinking about that idea. And I, I know I'm not the only person who's who has those type of things where you wake up at night and you're like, you think something's standing in your room. I've heard a lot of people, you know, talk about that. And I think it's something that's really scary. So that story actually was, I think, the first story I came up with. And then I just really wanted to, as Adam said, I, I thought about shit that scared me. So I tried to incorporate that in every story. Like I have emotion like, outside my house 
And I actually thought about that one time I went outside to check and I thought about Lindsay's story where when I went out there, what if there was something standing on the roof and I didn't see it like, and so I just would incorporate shit that scared me. And uh, I thought that was just a cool concept that it, it was just, he just preys on fear and anyone who has that type of vulnerability, like that's the only type of people Frank can go after. If you're not really scared of Frank and you don't have that vulnerability, then he can't really get you. So, but I think unfortunately most people do. And, and, and in some version or another, and Frank can, you know, change the way he can attack somebody based around what they're afraid of. So I thought that was a cool idea. As we wrap it up here, I just wanted to go to Bonnie quick. And, and if you could tell us a little bit about the next project that's coming around, I Live Alone. Ooh, yeah. Oh, is that magnificent? Another <laughs> see Fox. She actually wrote this special for me. <laughs> this is batshit crazy. <laughs> certifiably you've never seen anything like it and it has a, an amazing surprise ending and uh we've won a couple of awards for it and uh it's um it's a pretty special film and i think everybody's gonna really like it it's a fun fast impacted it's a real in your face film so, Chrissy, this is the one that started off as a short and has now been extended into a feature, correct? Yeah. So after working with Bonnie and then getting to know her a little bit, I started just thinking about like different characters and Bonnie also lives alone. So Bonnie is not the same as Aunt Lynn. She's a more, much more of a normal person with normal relationships. But I thought this idea was cool that possibly people who live alone and aren't constantly distracted by the outside world and families and dating and blah, 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 are maybe more in tune with what is actually going on. And they can see things that everybody else doesn't. And, or maybe they're crazy, right? And maybe, maybe the things they rant about and rave, maybe, maybe they're insane, but I wanted to play with that idea. So I wrote this story about um, a woman, Aunt Lynn, who has lived alone for over 40 years. Um, she's basically agoraphobic and her 16 year old niece has to come live with her who she hasn't seen in years and years because her mother falls, falls ill and she's in the hospital. So this girl comes and lives with her and things just continue to be weird. Neighbors start disappearing and the, the niece starts to suspect that possibly uh, aunt Lynn is a serial killer. And it gets a lot more bizarre than that as it unfolds. But um, Nalling Reyna plays Parker, the niece, and she's incredible. And we have some great actors in this film. And it's just, it's really special. And it's paced in, in a really cool way. And when there's gore and um, violence, we really go for it. So that was really fun. We did some crazy practical effects. We did a crazy stabbing scene that went on uncomfortably long and we did a scene where someone gets a meat hook through their face, which was really fun. As <laughs> <As> it is. <laughs> of course. And then we did this crazy other sequence that was wild. That was like a woman feeling around inside of another woman's body. I was just like, how weird can we make? This is by far the most fucking weird film I've ever made, but in a really clear way, which I think is kind of really special and fun. And Bonnie was amazing in it. And she's just oh, like yeah. next level bat shit so it's really cool that's awesome <laughs> one of the weirdest things most people have seen the only thing i can think of is like did you see um a fried berry 
It's on that level. Oh, that's exciting. <laughs> that's that's so awesome. It's pretty. It's insane. <laughs> It'll be coming out soon on December twenty first. Oh, yes, very yeah, exciting. Awesome, good. nice. Yeah, this, is, this is really came out of your twisted mind, Chrissy. It's pretty, it's really incredible. <laughs> <laughs> it's like whoa. Thank you. That's awesome. We cannot wait. And uh, Adam, what's on deck for you, man? What can we see you in next? Oh, I have a film called Hypochondriac coming out that I'm very excited oh, about. Cool. It's by a first-time filmmaker named Addison Hyman, and he uh, wrote his own story of basically going crazy and losing his mind and trying to get help through the uh, medical system and not finding it. Oh. And I play his doctor. It's very interesting. It yeah. stars a guy I named Zach right. Villa who played uh, Richard Marie- Ramirez, the Night Stalker in uh, American Horror Story. And he's just incredible. And I play his doctor and I'm very excited about that. <laughs> and I'm very excited oh, about cool. the Frank pre-order that's available now. Yes, yes <laughs> pre-order Frank, please, everybody. We will do lots of good things for you if you do. Mm-hmm. We promise. Individually and as a group. Really- <laughs> I, I will personally send Adam to each of your homes so he can help you through your struggles as Tarot does. I'm so, here for you. I'm here yeah. for you. <laughs> now, that, now that's a plus. Or he'll send Maud after you. Maud. Yeah, yeah, she'll bring Maud. You can meet Maud. Meet Maud meet and greet. Right. Yeah. Or if, if you're really bad, Bonnie. Yeah. So, right. yeah. yeah, the nun will show up at your house. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and Lindsay, how about you? Well, I'm in this feature called Frank. <laughs> I just keep remote. Um, I just shot an episode of Bridge and Tunnel, which is on Epics. So that'll be out next year, I believe. And then also I wanted to kind of mention Chrissy really inspired me to write my own stuff. And I wrote a horror comedy called Last Chance. And um, awesome. she really her work ethic of do it and and then really do it <laughs> um, really stuck with me and to watch this woman just be a boss bitch on set and just create her stories and tell stories and make art. I was like, cool. I want to do that too. So I feel I'm like totally like learning from Chrissy. Okay. She did this. She did. Okay. Okay. She used, and she's helped me so much. She helped with SAG paperwork and, and like things like producerial things that were really, that I had no idea how to do it. She was so helpful with that. So um, yeah, I've made my first short film and, and it it's, um, going to be out probably on Amazon next year. So we're really excited about it and I'm proud of it. And I just thank you, Chrissy, for inspiring uh, me to, to, to do stuff. And especially during this, this weird time where we have time to not just, um, you know, sit around and, and wait or sit around in fear, but kind of make something of it. So that was really cool. So, yeah, so that's, that's, those are the things on the, and by the way, she's like been winning a bunch of shit and getting into a ton of festivals. Like, so no big deal that she's oh, killing with this, with this short that she's talking about. Yeah. Oh, that's amazing. Nice. Congratulations. Nice. And we cannot yes. wait to check that Proud out. You. No, I, I just have to say, like, you guys, like the actors and, and the booker guys, like you guys have been so complimentary. I feel like my head is like gigantic, but it means so much to me. So thank you guys all for everything you've said tonight. And I just know I'm like, I feel beyond honored to be on the boot crew and beyond honored to get to work with you guys, at, hopefully over and over again for the rest of my life. So thank you. Oh, no, we're oh, not. Yes. <laughs> oh, we forgot to mention our spawn is in this movie. Oh, yeah. Scarlet. Oh, yeah, young yeah. Scarlet. Her, her voice. That's right. Yeah, oh, that's yes. pretty awesome. She's very she was amazing in her it. She was so 
<laughs> well, Lindsay, Adam, Bonnie, and Chrissy, thank you guys so much. And again, congratulations on this film. And everybody can check it out October 25th on, on VOD platforms everywhere, right? Pretty much. Yes, and please pre-order on Apple now. It's $9.99 and it'll be out and really helps the film. And it really helps, uh, you know, independent filmmakers when you do stuff like that. So thank you everybody that was the boot crew podcast episode 270 special thanks to our guests chrissy fox adam bush Lindsay larose and bonnie aarons at time of release check out chrissy's debut feature film frank available on vod october 25th and help support indie horror by pre-ordering it on apple production tracks for this episode provided by power man 5000 till next time it is the boot crew saying sweet screams Thanks for listening to another episode of the Boo Crew Podcast. Haunt the Boo Crew at TalesFromTheBooCrew.com. Tales from the Boo Crew on Facebook and Instagram. Follow us on Twitter at TalesFromTheBoo. The Boo Crew is Lauren and Trevor Shand and Leone D'Antonio. The Boo Crew is produced by Lauren Shand, chopped and sliced by Trevor Shand. The Boo Crew is a TSP creation, part of the bloody disgusting Podcast Network. Bye. A bloody disgusting podcast network. Home of the Boo Crew. For horror-centric interviews. SCP archives. Weekly full cast storytelling. Horror queers. Genre commentary from an LGBTQ perspective. And creepy. For disturbing and terrifying creepypastas. Listen free wherever you stream audio and at bloodydisgusting.com slash podcasts.